to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, we got Dave Hilda Pryor. I've been with body in two different places. I'm still playing for both. Ricky Hyatt. It feels I was born with two faces. I feel the smoke climbing down my cheek. And the two Toms. Tom Bailey. And little Tommy White. I do hope you like our new theme music. It's the theme from the television series Bosch. I think it's brilliant. So let's settle down and have an hour of good old football banter. Have a cup of tea, settle down, and we'll get stuck right into it. I got a name for each one of my headaches. What do you know about the thin line of madness? I need a new park, new lines. Anything if it's good for your head. You can donate your heart to science, but it won't bring you back from the dead. I got a feeling. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Oh, the, the emphasis has really gone out of that, hasn't it? Rick Hyatt, do you just want to quickly uh, I'm go, tired. On, go in on that one? That's one of the most remarkable things I've ever heard in my life. Not <laughs> Larry Grayson reborn. I look like a preoccupied Adrian Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> it's very deflated. The I'm, just, hell. I'm just tired. There you go. Well, you've heard all the voices now. I don't really need to go round to you all. So it's myself, Dave Pryor, Aidy Hopper's here, Tommy White's here, Ricky Hyatt's here, and Tom Bailey is here as well. The latter two you might have heard yesterday on our commentary here on Three Valleys Radio, where Tom and Rick did talk you through Yeovil 2, Truro 1. Um, I think that's probably the best place to start. And Tom, have you got your voice back? Because I think after that last five minute flurry shall we say that um i think you might have uh, gone up a decibel or two how's the throat this morning i felt it this morning but i think he i think it's back now um oh what a night i mean yeah talk 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 us through it tom what what did what did you make of the performance and of course the result i mean the performance itself is it was um 80 minutes of slow build-up play passing no real end result but as soon as we got that spark that one goal it completely turned on its head i couldn't believe the difference it was night and day between the first 80 and and the last 10 i mean jordan young for me changed the game when he came on he was so direct so fast so on it even like picking up loose balls he was absolutely brilliant um i don't know what changed but something was in that where just that one pass from cooper ignited the whole team um they were much more direct stronger uh whether it was maybe fitness from the professional side of it as well um could have been the difference but honestly what an experience what a night that was to come from a goal down to win 2-1 the thatchers were in fine voice i mean oh one experience what was the crowd uh, 3,300 and something. Good as well, considering you take into account that with it being a Tuesday night, and I think it was available um, as a stream as well, I think, because it's not part of the three o'clock blackout. Uh, so there was ways of um, of watching it. If you, of course, weren't listening to Three Valleys Radio. Um, Rick, I'll throw the same question over to you because you're on the commentary box alongside Tom. And there has been a lot of um, talk, I suppose, of concerned fans about about the performance over the first uh three games as it is now obviously the first defeat um coming in the opening game and then it was a hard-fought win at the weekend 2-1 over a very good st albans team and then some saying that they probably made too much hard work of it what would 
what would you say to those fans? Is it a case of um, work in progress and you've just got to be more um, in pleased a, with the results at, the, at this in point a, in, in the strange, season? What do you make of it? Well, in a strange way, I don't think uh, losing the first game did them any harm because it sort of tempered expectations. If you go and you batter a team in your first game at that level, people are going to expect that all the way through where it has been a bit of a a bit of a slow burn and it, and it certainly was a a very slow burn last night, leaving it right to the end. But the manager said in his press conference afterwards that he expects an awful lot of late goals this season from Yeovil. And um, I would, wouldn't surprise me if that's the way it goes. But as Tom said, it was the, the equaliser came because Charlie Cooper actually lost possession. And then he fought back, won it himself, and then played the through ball. And that did seem to sort of spark things. And alongside Jordan Young, who, who again, like Tom said, he was just a spark whether or not coming in at that stage of a game benefited him rather than playing him from the start but he certainly made a the oval look livelier they had the better of the first half overall but um, and were really sort of unfortunate it's a bit of a sucker punch to go one down but kept the composure kept kept probing and thankfully came out on the uh, on the, on the right end of the result in the end i want to jump in as well and just give ollie thomas uh, his props as well because when yeah. he came on he was an absolute nightmare for um, all the Truro defenders he was being dragged around pulled around he was causing mayhem and of course he scored that wonderful uh, finish for the first goal um, I mean for 20 minutes performance what what a, what a way to make his what did he play I don't know he played a little bit in the uh, Hamill game but um, yeah great way to score his first goal definitely Seeing, seeing that finish on uh, social media today, it's actually a better goal than it looked looked live. So fair play yeah. to him. He took that really early, which is obviously put the keeper with his weight the wrong way. And now it's a cracking finish, absolutely cracking. Tom, I'm sure you would you would have seen the result and the fact that the boys there have just touched on the fact that the substitutes really really changed the game. It, it does seem as though that so far this season, Yeovil in a little bit of a unique situation for them where they've got bodies and, and quality in abundance as well that can come on and make a difference yes tom white sorry yeah sorry, sorry yeah. i'm guilty of this yeah no no <laughs> sorry it's, it's not easy i know um yeah no it, i mean that's just refreshing if you're a part of the squad and you know they, sometimes managers make changes and you as a player think oh, hang on why has he dropped in like i think he should be playing so, so sometimes you're a bit surprised by what a manager can do um and obviously it, it can work in terms of you can be winning at half time and think that what a great decision that was. But like you said, at the same stage, it's, it's brilliant to look at the bench and think, actually, we have got a couple of people on there that if it's not going the way we hope it is, they can come on and, and have an impact. And I think with how fit players are nowadays, and obviously if, if the lower leagues are going to do the same in terms of bookings and adding time on that they're doing further up the pyramid, then, um, you know, having that... Depth, squad in depth and options in depth make a hell of a difference. A hell of a, a hell of a difference over the course of a season. Over the course of a season, sorry, be fantastic. Where do you see it, Tommy White? On the fact that, as I've touched upon, there are a few fans out there that are just a little bit concerned about the performances, let alone the results of the first three games. Are you in the camp of, with it being um, the start of the season that? get the points on the board and then the performances will hopefully follow or are you more in the concern camp that the performances aren't there then maybe the results results might not follow in the upcoming weeks i think i think there's still a lot to learn in the league for everyone connected with the club um you know there it's 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 a new league new players new opposition new stadiums and it might look like, obviously, Yeovil are playing it around the back or playing it sideways and square. But that could be wearing the teams out. And maybe that's part of the plan and thought processes, especially against some of the non-league teams, or sorry, the non-professional teams, is to not panic too early on and keep the ball, keep good possession, keep moving it and maybe tire them out a little bit. But um, So if, if the points keep racking up, then you wouldn't want to change what you're doing and I know it might not necessarily be exactly what fans want to see necessarily, but over the course of time, it could prove to be the best um, tactic. Where would you where would you um, put your first marker down, Tommy, in terms of, okay, 
10 games have gone now and then you kind of yeah, see where I'd you are go, in terms of I'd probably go as far points. as 12 because by then you've probably had six home games six away games in an ideal world it might not be quite that but sure. six home games six away games you've probably had a fair mix of top teams bottom teams um so for me i'd probably look after after about 12 games i think you can get a bit of a gauge um obviously it's not the definitive time to be judging but i think after 12 games i'd be thinking if you're up near the top after 12 then you know barring something ridiculous happening i think um you know you could expect to be there come end of the season aid i'll come to you because there's fans that are probably thinking that this should have been a much easier game but you obviously know the churro manager quite well um from obviously his time at yeovil and you're probably in the camp of not necessarily expecting it that way as it proved. Well, I think the first thing is the word patient. People have got to be patient because, you know, as, as Tom said, there's new, there's new players, there's new grounds they're going to. Everything's new. And it's going to take time to get, uh, you know, uh, uh, gel together to understand the way that each other's playing. I mean, Tom, you're an expert, uh, an ex-professional how long did you find that it took for you know when a new player came into a team to to get to the point where you you kind of you could almost anticipate the way he was going to play the ball the ball? I think I think it's a bit too difficult to pin that down. I think um, you know speaking as a centre back, what I would look for is my immediate people around me. So obviously my relationship with my centre back partner, my relationship with my full back, and possibly the midfielders close by. Um, for defensive uh, part of the game. And then likewise, you know, attacking-wise, you want the people you're going to try and get the ball to. So if it's a striker, you know, you'll have a connection with him to say, look, you know, if you make those runs, I'll chip the channel or I'm going to look to drop it into your feet, depending on that type of player. Um, and again, if you want to hit long diagonals to wingers, you know, it's kind of letting them know that, you know, it's something that you will look for and um, to be aware of it. And then also the goalkeeper. I mean, I, I used to like to think of myself as someone who was quite happy to head it back to the goalies. And I always always say to them, look, if the ball's coming to me in the air, no matter where I am, expect me to head it back to you because that's what I will do. And, yeah. you know, Wheelie used to say to me a few times, he said, Tom, I want expecting that. I said, mate, I told you, every time the ball comes to me in the air, I'm going to try and just cushion it back to you. So be ready for it. Yeah. So you have to have those um, communication and conversations with people. And sometimes you've got to remind them because... You know, in the course of the game, people can can forget things. But um, again, I'd probably say it's going to take uh, two, three months, to be honest. And, and even still, you know, things can, can go wrong um, in communication, breakdown or, um, you know, a, a switch off, a moment, a lapse of concentration for a moment. So I think I certainly think it's far too early to be even thinking about, you know, is, is it right or is this player right or is the tactics right? It's, it's far too early. But having said that, um, I know that uh, I'm sure Paul Watton would have been trying and I, I, I assume that Paul's team was nowhere near as kind of new in the context as, as T.O. was team. But, um, you know, well, they're I, in a high just... age as well, aren't they? Having only been promoted last season. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we use that word momentum a lot and it probably it's the same for them as well, really, this year. Absolutely, yeah. But I, I just think that, that, you know, people have got to be a little bit understanding and um, you know, it's a new team. As I say, it's new. We're playing new opposition, which we don't really know much about. Although presumably the management have had uh, uh, good reports and, and what have you from from uh, who they're playing against. And um, you know, it's it's going to come, isn't it? It's going to take time. I, I must admit, I was a little bit surprised when we we lost the first game. I, I thought that we would be. You know, stronger than that, but it, it would appear that that you know what we were expecting and what we're going to get is going to be different. I, I still think that Yeovil will overcome s sooner or later, but it's certainly not proving quite as easy as perhaps everybody thought. And I think Aid as well, Torquay are probably thinking the same. If you just look at the results so yeah. far this season, well, but, yeah, I was just know. looking at the league table now, and, and Torquay are sort of way down in fifteenth, I think they were. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure they would have expected to have been higher than that as well. And and then you get a team like Western Super Bear, uh, second in the league. Um, you know, six it's... six goals last night as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's uh, and Chippenham are, fa are fairly high up there as well. So, 
you know, I think it's going to be a learning curve for everybody. And, um, you know, ultimately, um, hopefully we'll, we'll all come together and we'll, we'll do the job at the end of the season, which is what it matters at the moment. It doesn't really matter about individual games. It's, it's the collective points total that we get to get us in the, uh, in the promotion picture. Well, the next game is uh, made Maidstone, isn't it? Maidstone. I always get Maidstone and Maidenhead mixed up. Um, Maidstone next. Um, Tom Bailey, you're going to be there on, on Saturday. It's one of those games that, again, probably on paper that you could say it might be one of their more competitive fixtures this season because, obviously, they were in the National League with, with Yeovil last season. And um, I think I'm right in saying Yeovil didn't even beat them last season when they're in the National yes. League when they're fighting it out with them. I think it was a couple of draws. Yeah, two possibly draws. off the tape off the top of my head. So um, another close one will probably be in the offering on Saturday. I'd expect so. Um, they've actually started with the same record as us as well of two wins and one loss. So um, there's not really much to tell us apart other than they're still building their stadium and ours is finished. Um, I I don't know how to call it to be honest. I mean, from what I've seen on on social media as well. Fans are still out on um, George Jelakobi as their as their manager, even though he took over in a caretaker role. He didn't do much at the end of last season. Not that it felt like any of them, other than Regan Booth, they were, were cut doing adrift. Anything, though, but... to be fair to them, weren't they? I they were cut. Adri- they were cut adrift. But I, yeah, they even with zero pressure on them, they were obviously going down. The performances absolutely still weren't there. Um, they sort of when they were gone, they sunk. Uh, so they're in still a very much a similar position to us. So I honestly, I wouldn't know how to call this one at all, other than maybe they're unsettled because they've not had their home games. But yeah, I guess honestly, we'll probably have to wait until wait and see what happens on on Saturday. Well, of the ten games last night, eight of them were either settled by one goal or or a draw. Um, and obviously, the fact that the Oval drew two and one all with them last year. Make you think it's going to be a tight game, and the fact we've right. well, we've fed that mould for all three of our games so far as well. One nil, two one, two one. So, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the general consensus though with this game of having four games at home? Probably be four nil, lad. They <laughs> <laughs> say it's going to be a six nil, right? <laughs> but it, you know, is that going to be beneficial to us, or is that going to somehow prove a problem? In theory, it should build momentum, but after two wins I mean I, again I saw people online saying get four wins will be bouncing will be having the momentum but I mean after two games and two wins fans aren't happy so what is Mark Cooper meant to do what is Yeovil meant to do if they've done exactly what the fans have asked them to and, and win the first two of their four home games and they're not happy there's not much more he can do so I guess they just have to sit tight and, and steer the course and see what happens i suppose do you think tommy white a lot a lot of it is to do with a bit of a hangover if you like from fans because they might be picking holes in a performance more so than they might have ever used to because supporting yeovil has only really gone one way in the last 10 years let's be honest so if there isn't necessarily a performance to match a result yet you can quite understand why people might possibly still be pessimistic i think mark cooper referenced it in his um post-match interview that there does need to be a little bit of a trust given back from the players to the fans because of the the journey that you have been on in the last 10 years so can you sort of understand it from that point of view maybe yeah definitely and i think you know there's been quite a lot of hype not, not necessarily in you know um getting carried away with the club or finances or anything like that. But obviously, with the chairman coming in, he's brought quite a lot of positivity. I think that's pretty clear for everyone to see. Um, And people are upbeat. And obviously, with that, it's kind of built up a bit of a whirlwind that, you know, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And, yeah, maybe the performances haven't quite lived up to some of the hype around the club off the field as such. Um, But like I said, I think realistically, it's, it's too early to start judging too much and I know we all want that great performance um, but sometimes you know well obviously a, a win is better than a performance a performance without a win you know you keep doing that too often you soon find yourself mid-table so you know let's get let's get the points on the board let's get morale up let's get victories in place and then 
we'll fine tweak how we're playing and you know which players deserve to be starting week in week out and which ones are becoming impact players and you know start dissecting the league a little bit and you know hoping that performances do come uh, later on down the line. Last point on Yeovil then, um, Rick, I'll throw it to you. Not only that, social media probably isn't the best place to gauge a performance at any time, is it? Let's be honest. No. And it is worth making the point as well that obviously it's not not all fans that obviously have that opinion, but there is a few out there. Yeah. Um, so what are you asking me? Uh, so I wasn't suggesting that that was you by any chance, but no. um, just saying that social media isn't always the best place to gauge a performance because quite often it's only really the negative comments that you actually see online. Yeah, it's the worst place. It's, yeah. it's the worst place. And uh, people generally, if you've not got anything nice to say, the people with nice things to say don't tend to write them. And the people with negative things to say love to have a little platform to get their views across and uh, and be heard. I think that uh, it's, it's, it's like Tom said, you, you know, you've got to give it time. Get a few, look look where you are at the end of October and then have a, have a gauge of that. But, I think the difference, the major difference I've noticed from last season is just the control. I mean, it might not have been edgy your seat stuff all the way through last night, but Yeovil were in control of that game for the majority of it. So if, if you look look to see how, uh, and, and see, if the, see if the manager's right, win games in the last 10 minutes, run the legs off people and start getting a few uh, wins coming that way and, and just build it. So... I'm going to run through the preview of the Premier League games um, at the weekend. And then with that will come the the stories of the day as well. But before I do that, I obviously just want to touch on the fact, Tom Bailey, I'll throw it to you. Because last time you were on the pod, you and I both said about how we both sort of disobeyed the management of our respective workplaces to see a little bit of the Women's World Cup. And today probably was no different, Tom Bailey, because... England are in another World Cup final. Great news. I'm disappointed because I missed it. Uh, I, Did your boss I'm... listen to that last pod? Was that the problem? <laughs> no, everyone else watched it. I went off for a walk and I completely forgot it was on. A walk? I did. Yeah, it was a nice day. Enjoyed the did weather. Did you need to clear your head? It's been a busy so basically, day. Basically, <laughs> you go to work and you go for a walk and watch football. Yeah, it's a great time. Love it. Um... I mean, yeah, it's great to see that um, I've only got sort of what I've seen online about it, but great to see that, I mean, it's not even like it was a close game either. 3-1, to me, screams that they had control over the game. Yeah, they got back into it the second half, but to not only score the winner and then get another one shows they didn't stop, they kept going. Um, And, of course, they've got Spain, who, with my limited knowledge, they've got a two-time Ballon d'Or winner in their team, but it's not the USA, it's not japan so it on paper it should be an easier chance for them or this is probably the best chance they're going to get um so let's hope on i think it's saturday is it saturday or sunday they're um they're playing sunday sunday, sunday. sunday 11 o'clock i believe so uh, make sure that you're not out for a walk for that i one. won't miss this one no i won't miss <laughs> this one i'll be at home this time i should be going to the pub <laughs> i bet it'll be on at the pub no it won't be no, no. Well, not the okay. pub I go to anyway. <laughs> but in terms of, like, you've just touched on Todd Bailey, Spain in, in, in the final. Rick, it's a completely different team, pretty much, from what won the Euros. But if they can get a World Cup to boot, I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that, does it? No, there's going to be a, a first-time winner of the World Cup on Sunday, one way or another. Spain have looked good all the way through the tournament. And um, Tom's right. United, United, England were uh, two two United girls scored, so uh, that almost cancels United winning the World Cup. Um, I was going to say, you're going to tell me United are going to win the World Cup now? Is that where your well, angle is? Getting back to the ladies, uh, yeah, they, they thoroughly deserved thoroughly deserved a win today, and it flattered the Aussies really that they got back into it and and then just kept kept pressing and doing. But the difference between this competition and winning the Euros is that we had a settled side all the way through the Euros, whereas this one, the team's been changed partly because of Lauren James getting suspended up until the final, and then they've had the chop and change. Uh, so she depending back on the final, is that correct? She's available, but whether or not she goes straight back into that team, it's be harsh on Ella Toon to take her out after the performance she put in today. What would you do? 
you put back in difficult isn't it would I would I pick the girl that plays for United or the girl that left United to sign for Chelsea? <laughs> I think Ella Toon gets the nod. Yeah, that's a fair fair assessment. Well, we look forward to finding out what happened to that and report back on Monday's pod. So, looking ahead then to the games that happened this weekend, we've got another Friday night raid. Um, maybe not the most glamorous game on paper, but we're going to go through. All of them. It's Nottingham Forest against Sheffield United. Forest were, were unlucky in the end, really, from the bits that I saw of them playing against Arsenal, particularly that second half. Sheffield United, we knew it was probably going to be a bit of a struggle for them with the players that they've lost. I think they gave a relatively decent account of themselves against Palace, but came out in a 1-0 defeat. Um, would you imagine Forest will probably be favourites for that one being at home? They've both got sort of somewhat... Um almost unknown owners, haven't they? This Prince Abdullah that owns um, Sheffield United. And I don't know the guy's name, but that owns Forest. He's a, it's the, he's it's a the Greek, Greek chap, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sh- shipping magnet or something, I think. So, uh, and I mean, in theory, they still got money, but from, from what the teams seem to be doing, they haven't got money. So based on that alone, um, I suppose you'd have to go for Forest slightly. But uh, having said that, you never know. I mean, you know, um, Sheffield United could turn it on and, and turn it round. I, I, if I was going to have a bet, I would definitely back Nottingham Forest in the game. But having said that, I probably wouldn't have. I wouldn't pick that game at all if I was going to have a bet. If you see what I mean. What do you think, Tommy White? Do you think it will be a, a difficult season for both of these clubs, or? I think it would definitely be very, very difficult for Sheffield United. Um, I've got a little bit more confidence behind Forest. Um, I think they've got some serious pace off the bench. Obviously, they brought a Lang on and they got off of Man United. Um, they've got yeah, a bit created of pace. the goal, of course. On yeah, they've got, they got experienced defence, although I don't particularly like some of them as Premiership players, but they sort of perform. Um, and, you know, a lot of their squad, they're on a bit of a high, aren't they? They came up the season before. They managed to stay up last year. I'd imagine it's quite a good atmosphere there. The manager seems quite well-liked. Um, I, I fancy Forest quite strongly um, to win that one. I mean, I'd probably say pretty comfortably. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 2-3 or 4-0 for me. Bold prediction from Tommy White there. Um, be bold, be bold. Yeah, remember these pods are recorded, so we'll, uh, yeah. we'll look back on that one next week, mate, and see, see if that was, <laughs> was the case. Um, Tom Bailey, the general consensus does seem to be that Sheffield United probably will will struggle um this season like we've just touched upon but did you see any positives in anything that you saw at the, at the weekend or were you, were you out walking <laughs> three o'clock blackout and watch it <laughs> uh match of the day so i did watch that to be fair um the i don't like to look at a game through stats but it looked pretty bad um <laughs> and while the transfer business is limited through the lack of funds they've got available, and I know that the owner is trying to leave and find a good uh, replacement for him, it doesn't, it's not encouraging at all. Even though smaller teams like Luton are signing championship players, they're still going about it in the right way. Sheffield United have lost their best striker, they've lost their best midfielder, and they've replaced him with. I mean, Gus Hamer's a good signing. Uh, outside of that, though, I don't see much good for Sheffield United this year at all. I've got them stoned at that's last. The, that's, the, that's the one from Coventry City, wasn't it? Who had a good season last season in the champ. Yeah. 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 15 million, perhaps an overpay, but when you're paying 115 million for Moises Caicedo, I don't think anything's an overpay anymore. Or um, trying to. Not everyone can pay. Uh, <laughs> that's true. That's very true, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a very tough season for Sheffield United. I, I'd be incredibly impressed if they did stay up. Um, I've got a friend who is a Sheffield United fan, and he's not he's not looking forward to this year at all. Um, it was it was exciting. Then he was like, "Oh, we made it." Okay, uh, it's such a sad actually, indictment, though, isn't it? Now. Because, like you say, you get the excitement of being in the Premier League because they're not a team that necessarily are always going to be in um, amongst it. But Rick, you don't want to get there and then just be fearing for the whole season. You want to, you want to just have a little bit of confidence that your team are actually going to give it a go. 
Yeah, I think there's, it's fairly flat around Sheffield United. I think I agree with everyone else. I think of the teams that came up, they're in the worst position and the most unlikely to it's actually... quite flat at Sheffield Wednesday at the moment, isn't it? It's maybe not the city to be in right now. No. no <laughs> Considering both got promoted. Yeah. Yeah, but they... Yeah, I, I can't see them doing anything other than um, other than getting getting relegated. So uh, let's move on. And not in Forest uh, at home, and not in Forest record at home last season was what kept them up pretty much. So uh, I'd be surprised if it's anything other than a Forest win, despite the fact that uh, Mister Hop has tipped them so clearly they're going to get battered four <laughs> 0 um, Tommy White's had to shoot off because unfortunately he was only going to you know, only around for half an hour today. So. Um... We will see you next time, Tommy. He's, predict- he's predicted 6-0 wins all the way through. The- <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. He's gone for a bold statement and left. That's yeah. what he's done. Uh, he doesn't want to make any more because he starting with goal. Saturday, there's no 12.30 kickoff because there's uh, later kickoffs in the in the day. But looking at the three o'clocks, starting with Fulham-Brentford, um, aid another relatively sort of closely matched game you could possibly predict. Brentford just seems to keep on defying the odds, you might say. But Fulham, since they've been back, have have been pretty steady. So potential think, draw written all over I that think one. Based on um, Brentford's performance against Spurs, I would be inclined to say now. I think uh, because Fulham have got a disgruntled player in uh, Mitrovic, we don't quite know what, where does he stand after initially saying he wasn't going to play for him anymore because they were holding up his transfer to. Uh, uh, the bank, as it were, in Saudi. So, do we know uh, if he, he was on the bench last week? Did he come on at all? Do we know? Did he make it on? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. But uh, but as I say, on the on the on the basis of, uh, I thought that uh, Brentford, you know, they're a difficult team to beat. It's ironic when you every time I look at Brentford, the thing that comes into my mind straight away is. My God, we were playing Brentford and we beat them at Wembley. Oh, yeah. And, and, and we went up to the Championship and look at them now and look at us now. But mm. there, that's that's history and we can't change that. But uh, no, I think I think Brentford are a pretty good side. And personally, I think they will beat Fulham quite easily, actually. I've just said Mitrovic came on in the 58th minute. So he, he did. did play. Yeah. Um, in terms of Brentford and their their model, Ricky, are you surprised that people don't necessarily sniff around Brentford like Brighton are being sniffed around? If you see what I mean, there was a yeah. talk of this over. Um, they did a couple of articles on it in the Athletic this week that they were just surprising about how some of their players have gone over, uh, gone under the radar, particularly players like Mbermo, who have. If you look at his stats when Tony hasn't been around, I mean they're up there. Yeah. I I think that Brighton are the, um, the the trendy team at the moment, and if you've got two players that are very similar, it's two clubs that are run along very very similar lines, and both run really really well. So yeah, I, I think Brentford, you know, they're established now in the Premier League. They're a solid solid team, and you've got a, they've got a good manager. So I, you know, they're going to be around seventh or eighth again this 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 coming season, and they'll come out and they will beat Fulham. Not necessarily 6-0, but they will beat Fulham on Saturday. Full house, Tom Bailey? I think so. Um, there was a real smash uh, smash and grab from Fulham at the weekend against uh, Everton, so um, I think I will have to go with, with Brentford on that. <laughs> Forgive me for setting up that question initially with, it will probably be a draw because all three of you disagree, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um the other three o'clock game, well, there's two of them, but the next one um, in the list is Liverpool-Bournemouth. Um, Tom Bailey, you stick with you because you are a Liverpool man. Um, it was a very interesting game last week, wasn't it, against Chelsea? Because first 30 minutes, I certainly thought Liverpool could get an absolute hatful here. And then for the rest of the, the 60 minutes after that, I thought Liverpool could concede a hatful here. And then... The last bit, it could have really gone either way. How did, is that a fair assessment of what, what you saw, if you saw it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think we we got away with it, I'll be honest. Um, Chelsea could have easily scored a good couple of chances if, if it wasn't for Alisson. Um, yeah, it, without 
wanting to jump the gun on it, I am seriously worried about any Champions League hopes if we don't sign anyone else. Um, well, just on, got... just on that, um, Tom, before Rick um, chirps in there as he's trying desperately not to jump in, um, I think this might be the first season where, because the new changes come into effect for the Champions League. So if our coefficient is still where it's expected to be, I think top five will be enough to get you in next year. I might be wrong, but I have a feeling that's what the I... new rule is. I can't remember. I know there's... Yeah, it's definitely coming. I don't know if it's... No, it should be for this year then. Yeah. Oh, I well, think, maybe I we think, will get I champions. think so. So, <laughs> I've yeah, got, it I've could got be... us down for fifth, but whether we reach fifth is, is a different matter. If, if we're having to play Alexis McAllister as our six for the entire season, oh, no, we are not going to make top five. Um, it, he's a brilliant player, but he's not a six. We don't have a six at all. The fact we've sold Fabinho with no idea of any replacement for him and the fact that we've also shown our hand with Caicedo. Well, you could argue that there was an idea but we've gone, we absolutely messed up the, the way to go about it. Yeah, we've gone into the weekend potentially with Caicedo we've come out of it with not even Caicedo or Lavia um, and now they're just floating names out there for the sake of it. I mean, Valverde, sure many, we're not going to sign them. Um, I think 50 million for Ducore is absolutely abhorrent. Um, I mean, it's it's a strange situation. AD, I'll throw it to you. Um, what's happened in the last couple of years as to why it suddenly feels like that Liverpool can't just get a deal over the line like they used to? Because it wasn't that long ago we were talking about Liverpool, the club that you you want to do business with because they identify players early and they get it done. But it seems to have changed a lot in the last 18 months. What I don't understand about the whole situation is that they, they keep saying that it's because Chelsea are using this uh, uh, long contract uh, scenario mm -hmm. to get over the financial fair play. Well, if that's the way to do it, first off, why are they the only club that is doing it? Uh, is, is there a sting in the, in the tail of that? I, I don't know. So Billy Adams not on because he'd be able to tell us that, I suspect. But, um, so I think that's a bit odd for a start. And... Clearly, um, Chelsea, uh, uh, well, they've obviously got a, a hat full of money behind them to be able to do this, but it does make you wonder if we get sort of three or four years down the line, what's what's going to be the situation then? I mean, you can't keep having players with eight-year uh, contracts and more, especially if some of them are not very good. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think that's the only change. And, and obviously they've got the money behind them to be able to go into that sort of uh, way of doing things. And other clubs are not prepared to go that route. Mm -hmm. What do you think has changed then, Rick, from that perspective? Because there's, it's quite clear that there's been some change of some description in a, a very short with, space of time. It's a lot to do with the recruitment team, isn't it? They've had people leave and it's just down to uh, down to Jürgen. But um, it's, it'd be nice to see... Uh, Bournemouth following up their, their draw with West Ham on Saturday with another win and uh, maintain... I mean, in all, in all serious, Rick, it's not totally I know, it's out not of the question, beyond. is it? But it's got to be a concern for, from a Liverpool point of view. Mind you, having said that, I don't want to go down too far down the road of criticising people's midfields when you could drive a bus through United's on Monday. <laughs> but um, Liverpool desperate need of a central midfielder, a defensive midfielder, played against a team that now have three top quality top quality ones and uh, in in Chelsea because Fernandes um, the Argentinian lad virtually ran the show on Sunday and then they they bolstered that with two more so they're certainly not going to be weak in that uh, department has anybody picked Mo Salah's toys up yet and placed them <laughs> back in his pram because he uh, didn't continue his run of scoring on the first game of every season and um didn't look best pleased about it. What you need is you, you need to get a rainbow laces back. I mean, we, you, you say we that, but we, we could absolutely do with that at the moment. I know, that's yeah. the better <laughs> scenario, isn't it? When you, Actually, that's not the most bonkers suggestion in the world. Loan deal, anyone? I suppose going, going back to that, this, this question of the uh, financial fair play, it'll be interesting to see what happens on the last couple of days of the transfer window because, you know, by then... Some people are going to be getting desperate, and one assumes possibly Liverpool will be one of them. I get the impression, eh? This might be one of the most chaotic 
end of windows we've possibly ever had. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting scenario, that's for certain. I dread to think what the final figure's going to be come well, the end of the transfer window. Going back to the Liverpool thing, the reason that Palace, I was hearing today, are holding out for so much money for Decor is because they got the pants pulled down with the Elise deal, because he had a release clause. Yeah. And they had to let him go cheaper than they would have wanted to. They're holding out for more money now. For for Decore, so that's why it's going to make it difficult to get that one that one over the line. Unless, of course, you've got a hat full of money. I'm not sure how much how much money is in, is in a hat, but there you go. Well, a team that doesn't have a hat full of money, which is why he left, is obviously Lopetegui. Um, Wolves Bryson is the last three o'clock game on Saturday. Um, Rick, you sort of touched on it there from the United's oh. perspective, but from a Wolves perspective, maybe that is the issue in a nutshell that. They might still play well in games, but they're good up until the box. But it's I still got the impression watching it on Monday that they could still be playing now and they would never have scored. If they had a if they had a centre forward, they'd have, they'd have been out of sight at half time against United on Monday. It was absolutely ridiculous the way they were. But then that, that lad uh was injured, I think, for most of the season as centre forward. For last uh, yes, did he did he come on in the second half? Yeah, but did he start? Yeah, he didn't start. Did he? St- I think he started actually, but he, oh, was, he, start? Was, oh. he was running the show in the second half. And Wolves, as much as they are one of those annoying mid-table teams, they if they played United off the park, and fair play to Gary O'Neill for uh, the job he's done, give him a little bit more time with that group of players, and if they were to possibly find... might do better than people have yeah, thought. If be... too, not too early to obviously make prior, too... prior to that game, I would have had him down. You know, in a in a relegation battle, but I mean, they, they've certainly got enough uh, enough quality. Neto was outstanding as well, so they've got they've got potential to get away from the the relegation zone this season if they can replicate that sort of performance on a regular basis. Um, with that in mind, though, Tom, um, Brighton at, at home, maybe they're not necessarily the team that you want for your first home game. No, I'm sure they had. Um a few other ideas of who they would have liked for their first game. Um, look, they're, they're good against an admittedly subpar Luton team, but, I mean, there'll be growing pains there. They'll, they'll come with that. Um, I mean, we've also seen that Brighton's conveyor belt of talent has continued with um, the emergence of, well, particularly in the first game, of Simon Adingra. He's my FPL um, wonder So boy this I wanted year. to talk to you about that, Tom Bailey, because... I've got a Dingra in my team and I thought I was the only one that made an absolute <laughs> masterstroke. And then I had a little look at your team and you went and picked him as well. It I, just uh, goes to show how how clued on the Three Valleys radio commentary team is. It's them bloody Liverpool boys, isn't it? <laughs> he was, um, I've been telling everyone about him at work saying like, I trust me, this I've guy's going to be good. I've been doing the same. Yep, I've been like, <laughs> he's, brilliant. he's brilliant. You should, if you want a cheap midfielder who's going to do well this season Simon Adingra is your man they're like he was one of those wasn't he for anyone who doesn't know who he is he was one of those similar to Matoba last season who went out on loan to Belgium ripped it up at Belgium has come back has had a really good pre-season and like you Tom I thought there's somebody to stick in your fantasy team even though he didn't start he came off the bench will do moving forward yeah came off the bench but in 15 minutes to get a goal he's actually I don't actually know what position he is because I'm looking on football. He is a defender, but in FPL, he's a midfielder. But I mean, to score don't a goal, get Rick I don't know where that. he is now. Um, he's, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how he goes this year. And I mean, Evan Ferguson as well off the bench. Uh, Julio and CISO, that's three young superstars in the making right there. Never mind the others that are either out injured or who are starting. So it's. Yeah, Brighton should be in for a good season this year. My only worry for them is the introduction of European football and whether they can cope with the Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday um, for the first time well, in their history. So um, exciting times for them, but um, I do think they'll definitely have the better of Wolves, despite Wolves' um, promising start. Um, the 5.30 game is uh, it's a tasty one. It's Spurs-Man United. So, Ada, I'll come to you because Spurs have... You know, I think they'll be relatively happy, really, now that we know that Kane's gone and they got a, you know, creditable draw against a good uh, Brentford team that you highlighted earlier. But in terms of Man United, obviously it was more of the result than the performance. But obviously the news today is that they still haven't quite made a decision on what what happens with with Mason Greenwood. Um, obviously, I won't 
go into too much detail. Everyone knows what the situation is surrounding that. But are you in the camp of whether he should be moved on or, or kept around? How do you see that one? Well, you know, first of all, the performance on Monday night was appalling. It was it was painful to watch. And of course, everybody rolled up expecting a new season and this is it. We've got a new goalkeeper and all the rest of it now. Didn't he cover himself with glory? The goalkeeper, I mean, how he got away with that, I don't know, quite honestly, but he did. Um, so, uh, with regard to Mason Greenwood, I think, you know, he's a good player, but uh, I think he's going to get an awful lot of stick if they do let him come back and he does get into the team. And I, I think that's going to affect everybody, not just Mason Greenwood. Uh, so, I don't know, it's a diff difficult one, really. Obviously, not, not one that, uh, that we've got any influence on, but... Uh, I suspect if United do bring him back, they might live to regret that. But, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I would have thought possibly selling him for a, a lot of money might have been a better bet. But uh, you know, I don't Rick, know. do you see that? Do you see this as a difficult decision, or in your opinion, is it not necessarily a difficult decision that needs to be made here? It's well, uh, it's a delicate one rather than it's, a it's difficult delicate, one. But maybe. I mean, you know, some people are going to say, well. You know, you're either guilty or you're not guilty, and if he's if he's not guilty, he's not guilty. Um, on the other hand, I mean, the said he's, how, how is he not guilty? How has he been proven not guilty? Well, because they haven't charged him. Yeah, they've got charges. That's a completely different thing to yeah. being found guilty. No, the thing I, with Mason I'm not, Greenwood, I'm not saying uh, you know, I'm just saying you know, you're either innocent or you're guilty. Uh, if if they drop the charges, that you know, morally, I'm I'm not not with what he's been involved in at all but let's not get too far down the road of that because it's uh it's a difficult one isn't it given given that his his record uh coming through the ranks at united and his reputation it's one of those unfortunate situations where you've got someone who is an exceptional footballer but a shit human being mm. and it's which side you want to fall on with that decision and clearly as a footballer you'd want him around as a bloke, I've got a daughter. I wouldn't want him within a hundred miles of it. So that's where I stand on it. Could I, could I just point out, just before bring the tone down, whoever organised football matches at five thirty on a Saturday during the cricket season is an absolute pillock. <laughs> it's I, safe I, to I, say I, that you're going to be missing that one, Rick. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes another one. one. <laughs> but yeah, that's a ridiculous time to have a game. Put it on a. Sunday or something when I'm not playing. Will you be watching Tom Bailey or are you going to be out? He'll <laughs> be out walking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what I'm up to. Oh, uh, I might get back in time because obviously I'm away. Sorry, I'm, Tom, you I'm are allowed a life outside of football, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> get back to the TV now. <laughs> um, as if I can get back in time for uh, for that kickoff following Yeovil, whether I can get packed up in time and beat the traffic. Um, Thorpe will still be... Uh telling you one of his anecdotes so you've got no chance <laughs> yeah that's true i'll catch up at half time but in um, terms of the game itself tom though uh, do you see this as an even even contest or how do you see it based on what you've seen so far this season albeit a short sample I size i think going into the season i would have said it would have been a surefire 2-0 united win it just seems that kind of fixture for me but after the first game from the pair of them it's much more even than i expected um Spurs, considering it was their first game and a whole heap of changes, they did pretty well against the solid Brentford side. Um, and obviously, United on Monday weren't at the races. Um, with it being away from home, Spurs' first game, they're obviously looking to score plenty of goals this year. So I don't see why Spurs couldn't easily score two, maybe three goals. But at the same time, I could also see United doing that. So it's it could be an exciting one. As, as a famous Scotsman once said, it's Spurs, lads. Yeah, is it the perfect game that you'd want, Rick, or not? Is it not quite like that now? But I get what you mean. It's Spurs. Always bet against Spurs. Always. Clip, clip that up. <laughs> we all heard that. <laughs> when, when they win four 0 or something on Saturday. Yeah. But, you but know what Fergie always used to say? Don't worry, it's only Spurs. Exactly Do you think that, that still applies now? No, sadly. Uh, I don't. Um, I think I've got a sneaky feeling that we will play a bit better on Saturday because I'm fear, I'm, I feel that uh, Eric would have got into him a little bit after a performance like that. 
what changes he makes, if any, I don't know. Uh, I do feel that the, uh, you know, we wanted a centre forward, we've got a centre forward, and wow, he's injured. Great start. I don't know quite uh, how that came about, but, um, you know, we'd have to make up with it now, and, and hopefully, I thought Rashford in particular looked particularly off his game on, on Monday night as well, so that's not exactly encouraging either. But there we go, we'll see. We won, we got three points, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. Well, yeah, similar to what we said about Yeovil, it's all about the results at the moment. I think that's mainly what, what people want to see. There's a tasty one Saturday evening because we've got this rare feat of having an 8 o'clock kickoff on, on the Saturday, which is, say, another tasty one in City Newcastle. I mean, what better game for you to be in home in time for, Rick? <laughs> God, what time are the beheadings on? Is it before the game or after the game? Oil the morally bankrupt derby. Oil Classico. So, so by choice, Rick, you're not going to be tuning in even if you are home? <laughs> uh, no, I, sh I shall be uh, taking the guidance from Mr Hopper and I'll be in the pub for that one. I'll, <laughs> I'll watch the women's game, but I'm not watching that. It's a sham. But also, just one, one point about it, one sensible thing, rather than me just being an arse about both teams, is what idiot came up with the idea of having a game at 8 o'clock on a on a Saturday, absolutely no regard for the supporters whatsoever. That's just an appalling decision. You shouldn't have evening games at the weekend like that. That's just awful. Yeah, Ian touched on it last week about the fact that there's games that are just sort of being, feels like they're just being slapped around willy-nilly now um, with no sort of thought for the for the fan. Um, I think the only term... problem with that... Go on, sorry, just to interrupt. I, I think the only problem with that, though, is... When do you do the evening games then? If you're not going to do them in the week where fans are not particularly happy about 7.45 kickoffs, um, I mean, it's not so bad for us Yeovil fans where the furthest trip we'll probably make is like Braintree. But if you're a Newcastle fan, you've got to come all the way to Southampton, well, last season Southampton, and on a Tuesday night, it, it's not it's not feasible really to do it you know, on a midweek. Surely a weekend is a better time to do a week, uh, an but evening fixture. The scheduling is, is ridiculous, Tom, because there's no there's no 12.30 day. People have got their heads around. I'm just thinking logistically, if you've got to get home after that, if you've watched a game at, at midday, you've got plenty of time, you've got the rest of the day to get back. I mean, to get back to Newcastle after a game that's going to finish about 10 o'clock or whatever, are there, are there any trains from Manchester to Newcastle at that time? Whereas earlier in the day, They'd have a slot, a 12.30 slot. Why do they need to have it in the evening? It just seems... I want to say good. there was a reason for that. I can't remember if I saw Quite anything. possibly. Quite possibly. It might be um, an event. A reason terms, or an excuse. In terms of the game itself, though, obviously Newcastle got a thumping win, maybe unexpectedly when you looked at, you know, what both Newcastle and Villa might bring to this season. Aid. But if um, City obviously winning against Burnley, but if Newcastle were to get something here... Suddenly, will people start talking up um, Newcastle's chances this season? Well, of course, the fact that De Bruyne is injured and out for a considerable time, that's going to Yeah, cause, four months, isn't it? At yeah, least. it's going to cause City a bit of a problem, I would have thought. Um, I think what happens between in this game in particular is, is going to answer quite a few questions, really. Can Newcastle keep it up against City? Everybody would expect City to win, but... You know, not necessarily without De Bruyne. On the other hand, there's an argument they've got... Uh, um, oh, I can't think of his name. I'm hopeless on these things. Um, Bernardo Silva got there in the end. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. They've got him. Um, you know, he's pretty uh, pretty influential. And, and it doesn't look as though uh, Haaland's slowing down at all. So, at all. you know, um, this is going to be an interesting game, isn't it? I think. And of course, there's the other aspect what Rick was saying with the, with the supporters. We've still got the, the, we talked about it on our Monday pod this extra time business which is going to be uh, interesting because I can't see British Rail are going to go rescheduling their teams because one referee decides to give somebody 15 minutes of extra time. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> the whole thing on a Saturday night is, is you know, I mean, I don't know. Do people take the train to go to football matches more than the cars? I don't know. You know, it's an interesting one. But... Yeah, I guess I guess we're in sort of not the best um, position place in the world to kind of answer those questions because 
we're obviously quite far away from from places anyway quite often we jump into a car don't we and, mm. and go off wherever whereas if we've actually got better now uh, rail networks and we're a bit more central in the country possibly we'd be a better place to to answer that question but um yeah still going to be an interesting game like you said both on um perfect starts uh one win from one <laughs> call that a perfect start you can't do any more than that no um, no sunday's offering though villa everton um everton got off to a just a flat start wasn't it we spoke about their chances and it might be the deitch factor that keeps them up but they're still looking really blunt rick and possibly you don't want to go to a wounded aston villa to try and get your first points of the season no, you'd expect Villa to turn things around. I think it was a real shock, their performance at the weekend. I think anyone could have seen that one coming. And, um, yeah, this is just just looking at every time I see that, that is the most 1970s League Cup semi-final fixture ever. Aston Villa versus Everton. That's too old. Isn't it, the most, paid, isn't it the most played fixture ever? It's, it's, up, it's up around there, isn't it? It's, it's certainly been played. A I have times. a feeling there's a particular game. I think it's that one that every time it comes around, match of the day, mention it twice a season. Of the week. We're certainly yeah. know by the end of the weekend. Listen out for it. it Listen out for it. Yeah. yeah, but Villa 3 0, 3-1. Just a, a hot off the press uh, notification for you two boys from Liverpool. It says on my phone that Sofyan Amrabat close to joining Liverpool, but it does also say reliability two stars. So I don't quite know uh, what, you, what you make of that. Stars, wow. <laughs> Would that be from the Daily Mail, Adrian? <laughs> it doesn't actually say what paper it's from. It just says reports in the Netherlands have claimed that Sofyan Amrabat is considering Liverpool despite interest from United. It's been reported that the Reds are on a track to finalise the deal in the coming days. So I don't know. Well, that, that'll be out of date by the time the pod goes I was going to say, it'll yeah. be announced yeah. as a we'll Chelsea player. Yeah. <laughs> I've got trust issues now. I won't trust it until I see him in a, in a Liverpool shirt yeah, on the pitch. I agree. Not yeah. even like off the pitch. As long as he's on the pitch playing in a game, that's when I believe it. So yeah. let's talk yeah. about them then, because Chelsea are next up on the billing after that, because they've got a 4.30 against West Ham. Um, it looks like that, well... I was going to say that Harry Maguire has turned West Ham down, but if you listen to um, the the statement that's sort of come out, um, Rick, I'll throw it to you because it's Harry Maguire. It doesn't look like that he even wanted the move in the first place. So it seems as though that some of the stories maybe wasn't quite what it seemed. The, the whole story was the fact that United had accepted an offer, hadn't they? And any goodwill that Harry Maguire had. It's all haggling over about £7 million worth of money that he feels that he's owed. But um, any good... Sorry, Rick, I, I can't tell if the if the, if the producer is swearing at me or telling me we've got two minutes <laughs> left. cross <laughs> two minutes left. If you'd just raised left, your eyebrows, yeah. you would have known. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Uh, Harry Maguire basically is burnt his bridges by not sucking it up and going to West Ham as far as the United fans go. So, um, yes... That, that's all I've got to say on it. Um, expect Chelsea to win? Or not necessarily? Um, unfortunately. Who, who are they playing? West Ham. Uh, West Ham. Mm, yeah, expect Chelsea, I should think. And then we've got last on the billing because Luton Burnley has been postponed, which is probably a um, one game that they didn't want postponed because either team probably would have fancied their chances against the other. But I think it's to do with um, Kenilworth Road not being up to standards quite yet because we've heard all about how they need to uh, do up their stadium for the new season. Um, but it just leaves Monday night, Crystal Palace playing Arsenal. And Tom Bailey, would you expect Arsenal to, to win that one and complete the roundup? Look at that. That's Pers how you answer with two minutes to go. <laughs> exactly. A simple, yeah. Um, so that's it for this week then. We'll wrap things up. Tom Bailey, thank you very much. And we look forward to hearing you again on Saturday. Thank you very much. Rick Hyatt, thanks very much, mate. Always a pleasure. Have a good one Saturday, Tom. Thank you. Yep, looking forward to it. And it's good evening from myself, Dave Pryor. AD Hopper, over to you. Thank you for listening to Football Bloody Hell.
Born with two faces I feel the smoke climbing down my cheeks I hear the jokes